On Wednesday, there's a weekly news conference after the Senate Republicans will have a lunch together um, and he comes out and talks to the press with the leadership. So I think that is going to be an enormous source of fascination on the Hill. Welcome to the Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Wednesday, September 6th. Today, all eyes are on Capitol Hill, where Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell will hold a press conference for the first time since he froze up on camera last week back home in Kentucky, an episode that has only added to the ongoing concerns about his age and his health as the Senate heads into an extremely busy fall. I'm joined by Abby Livingston for an inside look at the questions now swirling around McConnell's health, his future in the Senate, and who might succeed him when he finally steps down. We'll discuss all that and more on today's episode of The Powers That Be. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Welcome to the powers that be. Thank you to my colleagues for filling in for me uh, while I was on a little Labor Day vacation. I appreciate it. I'm joined today by Abby Livingston, our puck partner, Abby Livingston, who's an expert on Capitol Hill for what is, I think, the biggest story in Washington this week. No, it's not. Maybe they're going to impeach Joe Biden. This is the story and this is the question of Mitch McConnell and his future after his freezing up spell in Covington, Kentucky last week near my ancestral homeland of Cincinnati, Ohio. Abby, the Senate came back after the summer recess uh, yesterday, Tuesday. McConnell has been obviously talking on the phone during the recess, especially since this second on-camera episode that happened in Kentucky uh, last week. What's happening in Washington? What's happening on Capitol Hill to day. Is Mitch McConnell healthy? Is he going to continue as Senate Republican leader? And then what are his Republican colleagues in the Senate saying about all of these health dramas surrounding their longtime leader? Well, all eyes are on McConnell this week. That is in part because the House doesn't come back next week and it can't serve a dis- as a distraction from that freeze up. And this will be the first time senators are together since the second time that's happened. The scrutiny is going to be relentless. And I think it's going to come squarely on Wednesday. There's a weekly news conference after the Senate Republicans will have a lunch together um, and he comes out and talks to the press with the leadership. So I think that is going to be an enormous source of fascination on the Hill. Big picture, I, I think it's just People are really startled by this. And he has got sort of this aura of invincibility, given his accomplishments in the Senate, whether you agree with them or not. A number of operatives have worked in the McConnell sphere. And so it has been incredibly unnerving to see this. On top of that, we're going into the fall. 
And there's going to be crazy negotiations on every front you can imagine, including avoiding a government shutdown, including maybe a Senate trial for an impeachment coming over from the House of Joe Biden and or other government officials. He has been a central player in this quartet of negotiators of the House and Senate Democrat and Republican leaders. So how he handles what's coming at him is going to be very, very closely watched. So the thing that really jumped out at me about what you said is this aura of invincibility around Mitch McConnell and how this whole health story seems like it's added this layer of uncertainty to him, his power, his future that didn't even exist like literally seven or eight months ago. You know, it was reported after the fact he had a fall in March. He was in rehab for a few months. The neurologists uh, who apparently have examined McConnell in the wake of these freeze-ups, that's the term the Washington media has used for lack of a better (laughs) medical Mm -hmm. term. Uh, Dr. Brian Monahan, who is the Capitol Hill physician, uh, released a letter this week basically saying McConnell is fine. To continue serving. There's no changes in his treatment protocols stemming from the concussion he had back in March. He also said that occasional lightheadedness is not uncommon in concussion recovery and can also be expected as a result of dehydration. That's a quote from Monaghan's letter. Still, if he is going to continue as Senate leader, he's got a press conference today in Washington. Both of these freeze-ups happened in press conferences Two and two months. He's got like 26 months to go until the 2024 elections when presumably he's going to continue being Senate leader. I just I just and I wrote about this in the best and the brightest newsletter which with you that that went out yesterday, Tuesday evening instead of Monday because of the holiday that like there's going to be a lot of scrutiny on this guy. Like you said, can he if there's another quote unquote freeze up in a press conference next month? let alone something that happens off camera, like it's just going to add to certain questions about his ability to lead. And I think that includes from people who are his allies and people who care about him. You know, the Barrasso, Thune, Cornyn folks, like the people that might succeed him in leadership um, and then other people in the Senate, you know, and then his his people on K Street as well. I I just think there's a lot of assumptions embedded in the idea that he's just going to continue to be (laughs) a Senate leader through 2024. I think if this continues, it's going to become less and less sustainable. But the July could have been a one off. And I think that's why the second one startled so many people. But you have some reporting, too. I mean, you have a sense that maybe McConnell is thinking very seriously about his future. Yeah, I mean, you know, I wrote this and this was more of a column than any sort of reporting. It's more based on just watching him for so long. I did spend like a week in Kentucky kind of following him around back in 2014 when he was facing really his only serious primary challenge for his Senate seat from Matt Bevin, who styled himself as a Tea Party guy at the time and later became governor uh, of Kentucky. And he had to genuflect before Mitch McConnell to do that (laughs) at some point. But he's just he's just an institution. And he learned from the Nixon White House and he learned from Roger Ailes back in the day. And he's and Ronald Reagan and George H.W. Bush. He's just been around for so long. And because he never like partly because he has almost no charisma, never aspired to anything beyond being like a senator and the and the most powerful man in the Senate. And because of that, the maintenance of his own power and, and the power of the Republican Party has really been all he, he's cared about. You know, the most known aspect of that is obviously his efforts to fill the bench with conservative judges, to <laughs> block Merrick Garland from ascending to the Supreme Court. 
but a variety of other things. His fealty is toward his own power and the power of the Republican Party and sort of being a one-man guardrail against the worst impulses of the right, while also sort of being a check against Democrats. Uh, and, you know, he's got to realize, because his political antenna is so good, that now he himself is weakened politically, you know, not just physically. And, and so that's why I think it's a near certainty that he doesn't run again for office. That would be his eighth term from Kentucky come 2026, uh, when this term is up. How can you run with these health issues at age 84? Look, he might be lucid mentally, but, you know, there's a possibility it could become kind of a ugly spectacle if he's running for re-election at age 84 with some of these freeze-up spells that keep happening. Uh, again, maybe they won't. Maybe they'll just stop happening. But it seems unlikely that like his health and his public image around his health is going to improve over the next three years. If we assume, and I, I am assuming this, that he's not going to run for re-election in Kentucky as senator, then it kind of makes sense. And, and reading the tea leaves, I think, I think you might think the same thing here. He won't, after 2024, he's just not going to run for majority leader again. You know, he's got two more years in his term. It's time to sort of pass the baton to the next generation. So what are you hearing, Abby? I mean, is that the agreed upon sensibility that he's got two more years here as leader? And after that, you know, then they'll have some new leadership elections after after 2024. I think it's just very uncertain. Nobody wants to be the first one to overtly run to succeed him. And the way it's been explained to me is he will not go out unless it's on his terms. Mm -hmm. So in other caucuses, when there's been a leader who is coming toward the end of their tenure, you just almost feel this energy. It's almost combustible of ambition underneath them. And this is just so much quieter than I've ever seen mm. um, in this sort of situation before. Yeah. And, I, and before we go to break, I think I also wrote about this for yesterday. The question for me, Peter, is... Is he going to be able to continue as leader before 2024? If these, and that's the key question in Washington. That's the key question, right? Like, do these health issues keep flaring? Does the pressure on him to step aside as leader become too much? I just think heading into the Labor Day weekend, there was this kind of assumption where it's like, oh, he'll stay through 2024 and then he'll be fine. I don't. I just don't know if he can get that far at this point. Aging happens very quickly. When you get up there, Joe Biden looked very different a few years ago. He talked very different a few years ago. The neurons just fire a little slower when you're getting up there uh, in your 80s. And again, I think McConnell, who is a student of political power and has always been very good, with some exceptions, about looking around the bend politically, he's got to see within himself that he's in a volatile position right now. Um, I want to ask you, Abby, about what happens after McConnell moves on from office and from his position as, as leader of the Senate, the longest serving party leader in Senate history, by the way, when we come back after the break. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 
Welcome back to the Powers That Be, everybody. I'm joined by Abby Livingston, and we're talking about the biggest, buzziest issue on Capitol Hill this week, and that is the health of Mitch McConnell. Abby, in the best and the brightest this week, I did a little Q&A with you because you've been talking to Republicans and Republican sources uh, on the Senate side. So there's been a lot of talk about the three Johns who might succeed McConnell as Republican leader, uh, whether before 2024 or likely after 2024. That would be Wyoming's John Barrasso, South Dakota's John Thune, very handsome gentleman, and Texas's John Cornyn, who you know very well just because you've, you are from Texas and have worked the Texas beat for so long. Is there a front runner among those three? Obviously, none of those folks are talking right now. They don't want to be seen as stepping on McConnell and his uh, you know, own decision-making process, but Who's the inside money to take over for him if and when he leaves? I think it's pretty volatile, but and I don't want to be held to this. It's, the front runner is probably John Thune, and um, mm-hmm. I would agree. I always thought he looked like Michael Vartan from Alias. Um, <laughs> he is the number two Republican. He's the whip. And so with that stature, I think he sort of has an inherent... I don't know if advantage is the right word, but it's a good place to start from. Uh And it's a good position to start from. That's who counts the votes. And counting votes means you're able to read minds. You can know if someone's really committed to you or just getting you Mm. off their back. But John Cornyn has been a previous whip. He was forced out of that position because of term limits, but he is still extremely powerful. He is in McConnell's inner circle. Mm. And Cornyn is really proven, and I'm I'm going to be a little biased in length just because I know him better. He has proven to know how to run campaigns. He was from Texas, which has huge donors in the Republican Party. But um, he ran the NRSC, the Senate campaign arm in 2010 and 2012, and they were very difficult cycles. You had a lot of really weird Republican candidates getting through, and he sort of made lemonade out of lemons. And he's also been a huge part in stabilizing Texas for the Republican Party down ballot. He's just a very smart, politically savvy guy. And then there's John Barrasso, who is sort of the dark horse. There there are some observers who feel very strongly he's very much in the mix that he could pull along some of these rebellious conservatives and maybe not so rebellious conservatives, but like, you know, maybe McConnell people, but who are ready for a different Mm. change. So It's very up in the air, but that's kind of the lay of the land as I understand it now. So back in 2022, at the end of 2022, after the midterms, Florida's Rick Scott, who had chaired the NRSC to not very good results in 2022, uh, whether that was his fault or Donald Trump's or the Supreme Court's, uh, that is up for debate. He kind of made a limp challenge to McConnell for leadership, uh, a secret ballot vote. But 37 Republicans voted for McConnell. 10 went for Scott. One voted present. We don't know who. I'm curious who that will be. Tell Abby and I if anyone knows. Get in our DMs. Is there a possibility that someone from outside of the three Johns shows up and tries to make a run at this position? Ted Cruz is someone who comes to mind as somebody who is at once both ambitious but like sort of like throwing rocks from the sidelines rather than doing the hard work of being <laughs> minority or majority leader. But Scott, you know, could someone like Rick Scott plausibly run for this slot or would someone like Barrasso, who, as you mentioned, has some connective tissue with the MAGA right folks sort of box out anyone else coming from that corner? That scenario has not come up in unsolicited in my conversations. What I would say is that number of Rick Scott votes 
is still on the minds of a lot of people. My guess is that the mainstream senators would join as a block behind one, mm-hmm. consolidate behind one person, and it'll still probably be a pretty mainstream leader. But I, I do have sources saying this: the Senate look is more unstable, that Senate Republican caucus is more unstable than it looks. I don't see Ted Cruz running for leader. And if he did, um, he probably would not have too many followers. There's a famous Al Franken quote that he likes Ted Cruz more than most senators and he still hates him. Um, uh, and I just don't think that's Cruz's wheelhouse. Um, what I will say is just to remember about a Senate leader race in comparison to what Kevin McCarthy went through last January. Kevin McCarthy had to capture in order to be Speaker of the House, a majority of the entire House plus one or a majority Um, in the Senate GOP conference. All you have to get is you have to win all the Republican, the most Republican votes. Hmm. So finally, you know, I think lost in the back and forth and the sort of gossip about like who can replace McConnell and who's going to succeed him. Like, I was thinking over the weekend, it's just this is something Washington hasn't thought about really in decades. McConnell's been in office almost 40 years. He was first elected in 1984, again, with Roger Ailes help. He's just an institution doesn't do him justice. And by the way, like like an extremely polarizing person, of course, Democrats hate the guy, even though you could argue like. He's cut some deals in a way that other Republicans might not have with Democrats. And he's a, you know, a negotiator and a deal maker uh, more more than anything else. Are people grappling with this concept that like we might not have Mitch McConnell anymore, like for better or worse? He's been leader of Republicans since 1996. And, you know, this is a guy who has like very strong political instincts. He knows the ins and outs of the Senate. He's an incredible fundraiser. His former aides just litter Washington, K Street, media, consulting, whatever. He has really put his footprint on Capitol Hill. And like the idea of him not being around, it's sort, it's sort of like, I guess the closest analogy would be Nancy Pelosi stepping down from speaker, like spending the last couple of years sort of helping Hakeem Jeffries, coaching him up. Uh, and maybe McConnell will do the same for whoever succeeds him between 2024 and 2026. But are people aware (laughs) what a big deal this is. Well, and I think what's also interesting was his ascent was very consolidated and easy. Everyone knew he was going to be the leader when he took power. What I think is exciting is the House Democratic Caucus. It was a very smooth transition. There really wasn't even a leadership race. And Mm. then in the Senate, I mean, in the House GOP, McCarthy is sort of ascended in a very orderly way. This is our first real leadership race since I guess Harry Reid retired. And um, mm-hmm. they're so much fun. Um, I always say I always show my interns when I when I had interns, the scene in Jerry Maguire where he and Bob Sugar are like working the phones and like fighting to get their keep their clients like a leadership race is a race on the phone, you know, lots of arm twisting. And with in the case of Chuck Schumer, I think it was over in less than two hours. So it's like one mm-hmm. of those things, if your phone battery dies, you might miss the opportunity of your career. So I just I'm a little as a reporter excited about the idea that, you know, we may have a leadership race at some point. And I think it's also healthy for those sorts of things to happen every once in a while. Yeah, oh, it's definitely healthy. I mean, it's uh, no, I, I'm not rooting for Mitch McConnell to stay around for another 39 years. It's absolutely healthy. It's just it's just something I was struck by. I mean, I you and I have both basically our entire careers. There's been changes in House leadership. There's been changes in Democratic Senate leadership. There's been new presidents. There's been new Supreme Court justices. 
became Republican leader really in, in 2007, but still just been around forever. So much so that his biography by uh, John David Dyke back in Kentucky is called Republican leader. Like that's just how we know him, Republican leader. And that might not be the case for much longer. Abby, thank you so much for your insight. Enjoy the gossip coming out of Capitol Hill today. Thanks for having me, Peter. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Powers That Be. As a reminder, The Powers That Be is the official podcast of Puck. We'd like to thank Ben Landy, Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance. If you like what you hear, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. Follow us on Twitter at Puck News. I'm Ben Landy. See you tomorrow. This has been a presentation of Odyssey. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Powers That Be Daily is executive produced by John Kelly, co-founder of Puck, Bob Tabador, and Ben Landy, executive editor at Puck.